thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. It's time to kick your shoes off, put your heels up, and listen to how to live your best barefoot lifestyle with your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. Hello, and welcome back to the Barefoot Movement Podcast, where we help you build a body that supports itself from the ground up rather than a body relying on artificial support. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and today I have with me Steve Willis, who some of you, or most of you should know uh, from The Biggest Loser Days, also known as The Commando. Welcome, Steve. How are you? I'm, I'm well, Paul. Yourself? Yeah, really well. Thank you for, for jumping on this morning. Um, I know you're a very busy man, so really appreciate uh, this chat, and I'm sure you'll be able to enlighten uh, the listeners. As I know we've had a few chats in the past, and I, I always walk away feeling much more focused and enlightened. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. Oh, thanks for that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's kind. But, um, yeah, hey, it's, um, it's great wherever um, you get the opportunity to um, kind of relay your message. And um, I guess it's important in that messaging to be consistent, uh, much like anything in life. And um, um, it helps to provide you know, a certain amount of reassurance when people are, are seeing that um, you know, you're not chopping and changing in between things and you're constantly seeking in, in – in a lot of different areas, you kind of stick to your guns and uh, and see things through. But um, hey, it's what I do, um, much like yourself and, and many others. And I think podcasts and um, and audio books and the like have definitely been on the rise over the years. And and people finding that you know they're on public transport or they're in a car or they just like to listen rather than than read um, so much more nowadays. And and kind of take that information in and kind of sit with it and let it marinate and uh, and then go out and put it into practice. Um, Hopefully they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I guess we'll get onto that today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for myself and, and, and my message and what it is that I'm about, it's um, – I think it's very simple. But, mm. uh, you know, it's it's within that simplicity that a lot of people find um, it hard to execute and it's it's pulling up the sleeves and it's going out and getting things done. And, and, you know, for me, I think that was instilled from a very early age you know, with my father and um, just that, that ethos, that, that mentality, that, that work ethic. Mm. And then I guess that was uh, um, bedded or embedded more through my you know, late teens into my 20s when I was in the army and, um, you know, the work that I did there. And just my my understanding around you know, what it takes to achieve certain things, and you know the job that I did in the army, a lot of people don't do on a regular basis. Mm. Um, and hey, that's just the requirements of 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 that job description. But um, you know, in leaving the military and moving into to health and well being, health and fitness, you know, we we all have different. Uh, I guess words to to define or kind of you know give some understanding or context to uh, to what it is that we do. Um, I I probably didn't have the knowledge and the understanding um, in the in the detail and uh, 
that, that a lot of others had being in the industry already. But one thing that I did have was that dogged determination and that work ethic. Mm. And so hours of trainer in a gym, I was there from the time the doors opened in the morning to the time the doors closed at night. And whether I had clients or not, I was there showing my face, you know, being a helping hand and um, walking my talk. Mm. And before you knew it, I, or before I knew it, I uh, was fortunate enough to find myself on The Biggest Loser, you know, and there's been a lot of, uh, a lot that's happened in, gosh, how long has it been since I've been out of the army? Nearly 15 years. Um, there's been a lot that's happened in 15 years. And I really put that down to um, hard work, a willingness to focus on foundation and the framework and operate from within that. And I think for a very long time when I was younger, much like anyone, I did chase moments. I, I did want to go after the exciting things or the things that seemed exciting in life and, mm. and you know, w w what you get drawn into um, by the ego and, and the status quo and, and what is said to be, you know, the, the, the right things to do or just where the, the collective mindset is at at a point in time. Um, but what I've realized is it's back to the simplicity. It's back to, you know, the, doing the things that you enjoy um, more so than the things that you don't enjoy. Yeah. And a lot of the time we, we, we find ourselves kind of doing things that are, you know, geared towards our strengths and um, the things that make us feel good and kind of uh, are uplifting. But there's so much beauty that can be found in doing the mundane. In, uh, in, the, in the simple tasks, in the things that we measure against what we enjoy. And we go, oh, but I don't really want to do this. And we kind of try and we try to manufacture it out of our lives. And that in, essentially is, has been my life. And for anyone that's read The Alchemist, you know, I think uh, you know, I, can, I can say that my life's been much like The Alchemist. You, you kind of look out across the green pastures and think, geez, what's out there in the big bad world? And you want to go out and have all these experiences and you think that it's better than where you are right now at this point in time and you go and you do them and you have them um, to come back to a starting point. Mm. And, um, and with that, know. recently I've been crazy at work. It's just been swamped and I'm chasing the, you know, the next thing and everything you're talking yeah. about. And you put a post up, I think it was an Insta story, um, recently to remind us to breathe mm. and you had a few um, different things that you might say to yourself and one that really like the day that it came up one that hit me was um, I think it was in the here in the now so as you breathe yeah. in in the here as you breathe out in the now is what you, you have in your insta story mm. and you've been stuck in my head for about two weeks now <laughs> I must have said that to myself about 20 times a day yeah but it's awesome like it is the simple things, right, of, you know, my mind starts getting carried away and all of a sudden you pop into my head with that Insta story and I'm back in the moment. I'm back in, hang on a minute, what am I doing right now and what, yeah. can, I, what can I do to, you know, to get to maybe that thing I was thinking about, but what do I need to do now? Like what's, what's the here, what's the now and am I breathing? <laughs> like am I breathing properly? So, yeah. you know, the simple things, I love your message. I love that it, it does bring you back to simple things, but they're so powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, mate. And that's and that's one again. That's it's it's wonderful to hear that um, that people are more open minded nowadays, or 
not just an open-mindedness. There's there's a willing to scratch the surface and recognize, and maybe that's an age thing that, um, and it comes with being around the block that that life really contains a lot of substance, but it's a willingness to kind of put on the mask and 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 take a deep breath and dive down there. Mm. Maybe too, it's that it's become more of the norm. You know, maybe years ago it was a little bit sort of hippie, a little bit voodoo, yeah, Mm. where now Mm. more people are talking about it, some higher profile people are talking about it, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I might look into this. And Yeah, we've we've created a distinction between, you know, what is religion and what is Mm. another aspect of our entity or our being. Yes. And um, it doesn't all have to be, well, I think the intellect struggles with it because mm. we ask questions of ourselves or one another and yet the mind can't really conjure up a good answer. Yeah. But the intuition, that other aspect of our, of our being, it just feels right. Yes. I think that's, that's growing in people, um, in individuals, and the more that it, that it grows in, and as you said, people with profile – express that and um, present a different way of being, mm. others are willing to then um, give it a crack or there's yeah. less fear or there's um, there's less, I guess, anxiety maybe or, or you know, th- those but types of emotions around. It, there's permission as well. That's some, the word, yeah. Some permission, people want permission, permission to be able to do it. Because they're, they're already thinking and feeling it or feeling it and thinking it. But don't want to be outside the norm in case of, of yeah. criticism. Been, but yeah. once you get permission also, to do something, it's like, oh, okay, well, phew, let's give it a That's it. Exactly. And it, feels, yeah. you know, it feels better. But it's really funny with the simplicity things. You know, I think maybe another reason we're reaching out for, for walking around barefoot, for um, you know, breathing, for looking at meditation as more of the norm mm. is the world's become so fast-paced. There's a lot of sickness in the world and I think a big part of it is that we're just so out of tune with nature and what nature provides. We've become so disconnected from our world and from um, you know being with each other. We're human beings. We should be – I think you said this to me once. We, we're here to be. <laughs> we're here to, yeah. to actually you know be with each other and um, that kind of tribe mentality of helping each other. But it's also me, me, me now, just the way society is. So I think part of that inner intuition too is that people want to get back to those uh, simple things to try and feel better. Well, we all contain, each and every one of us have it within us. Hmm. And there's a few things that you said there um, that I find interesting and just in our language, and it's yeah, the, we we use the term the world has become so much busier, and this and that. The only thing that's become busier is the human mind. Yeah. Nature hasn't. Nature's still ticking along the same as nature has always been, and um, it's it's our compulsion as humans. And we've given rise and permission um, and, and a, to engage with the mind in a way that um, we've identified so strongly with it and attached to it that we don't see any other way. 
Mm. And the mind, the mind is much like an arm or a leg or a, or a screwdriver or a wrench or whatever it is. We use we use it when we need to use it. Otherwise, we put it away. Mm. But a lot of us can't put it away. We can't like our left hand when we're not turning on a tap, not use it. Just we just don't use it. We don't think of it anymore. Um, but the mind again is is it's like a it's like a horse that's out of control. We've given it a, a, a good slap on the on the uh, on the mm. on the rump and uh, and it's taken off and let go of um, the reins and let go of the reins. That's right. It's out of control and um, the, it's not too hard to regain that control and steer and point the mind in a direction or in directions that are beneficial to us. Mm. But to be able to do that, we've We've got to not so much slow it down, but just create some space, like you know the the old empty the cup. Because if the cup's full, and we continue to keep adding to it, of course we're inducing sh- further stress and anxiety, and um, we're projecting into the future because the now is just so uncomfortable that we're trying to escape it, and then the issues uh, arise of of a, well, or, well, escaping into things, but then we start to abuse things: <laughs> alcohol, drugs, um, work. Mm. We become entrenched uh, with those behaviors, it, it, and, and ways in which we deal with things. You know, the, the, the coping mechanisms that we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We've laid all of this stuff on that we don't even know where it starts, and it's and it's all they're all symptoms. They're not they're not the root cause. And the root cause is because we're running from a very early age. Um, we're shown that, you know, we kind of passed that baton, much like in a relay race, that that's, that's how we behave. That's how humans operate. Mm. Um, and if, and if we want to, um, if we truly want to, uh, have impact and, and a positive effect on, you know, the generations to come, we've got to show them the way. Or it's through our rambling, like the dog, or, you know, like the dog chasing its tail. It's through um, presenting a way of being that, that the next generations go, hell, I don't want to be like that. And they go exploring. Mm-hmm. And it's much like some of the generations that, you know, I'm in my 40s. That um, came before for myself came before me the way in which my my father brought me up you know my uncles and and you know the men um, in my life who were of those older generations there was a lot of ignorance there was a lot of anger there was a lot of aggression you know as a kid be seen but not heard um, but that's not that's 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 no way of being like we're we're humans we're to be nurtured, to, to be loved, to be embraced, to be kind, to be gentle, to em- be empathetic and compassionate, they're, they're, they're energy sources that are unlimited. You, you, can, you can be that way each and every moment of each and every day, mm. like with, with, with your in-breath, with your out-breath. But to be angry and aggressive and carry a lot of tension and, and – uh, and uncertainty—that's drain—that's draining. That mm. wears you out. 
and then we try and manufacture that stuff out of our lives or escape it. And unfortunately, you can't escape it. But but it takes it takes um, pivotal moments, or not even moments, but for things to happen in people's lives, like like death, disease, divorce, you know, redundancy, you know, big catalyst changes for people to sit up and go, heck. I've got to address the way in which I, uh, the way in which I live, the way in which I exist. You know, just being, mm. and um, but it doesn't have to be that way. To just kind of take on and listen to those who, who have been out there on the frontiers and the forefront, kind of exploring a different way of being, and presenting just small changes, um, which more often than not are very simple. But again, we get caught up in the world, in the mindset of complexity, and we think the solution or the answer is in lifting heavier weight, running faster and harder, you know, whatever it might be, working 16 hours rather than 12, thinking that that's going to fix our problems or, or our issues. And it's not. It's just mm. take a deep breath, create some space, slow down, stop running, be with yourself, learn to feel, you know, uh, feel from, from the inside out. Um, Observe your thoughts. You observe how you interact with others. You know, like the word responsibility. We have the ability to choose how we respond. There's always an ability. There's your choice. Mm. Yeah, but so many of us are just reactive to to our environments and our situations, and that's a conditioning from when we were young. Mm. And just to, on that, yeah. and especially the movement part of that, that people. Um, you know, want to run more and, and stuff and getting back to being more simple, just to shift gears a bit, in the fitness world and in even in what I do um, in the clinic, I see a lot of people um, that look at fitness as the way to get healthier, right? They want to start mm. running more, lifting more, um, those type of things you yep. just mentioned. But then what I see clinically is people getting hurt. Okay, so just from your experience as a trainer and um, yeah. are you, you obviously train hard uh, yourself. I know you, we were speaking before, the, you know, dabble in connective, uh, sorry, corrective movements and looking after how you're moving too. For people that are looking to get into fitness yeah, um, or who are injured, What's your take on slowing down, getting sim- you know, more simple, and mm-hmm. looking at how you're actually moving? Because part of what I see clinically is people get hurt and their goal is to get back into fitness, mm. right? You give them some exercises or some treatment to help um, improve movement or reconnect them to, in my case, you know, the hip connecting it to the foot or vice versa to move better. But a lot of people struggle with thinking that that's important. They want to just get back to that goal of, you know, running the marathon or lifting the heavier weight. Um, so what advice or, you know, your take on corrective movement um, when it comes to fitness? I know just there's a, a big push for functional movement and everyone's into, you know, it's the, the buzzword, functional movement. But what I see is people are, you know, training functionally, but they don't move functionally as a human. Yeah. Do you have any tips or advice um, on that? Yeah, it all starts in the mind. <laughs> yep. 
which is a struggle for a lot of people, right? <laughs> they want to move. So it, well, that, that... <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, but can you if, if the mind, that? if the mind, if there isn't enough space in our mind, how how, how do we? How can we move through life gracefully? Mm. So an interaction and a relationship with ourselves. So if the mind the mind is full and there's no room for anything else, there's a lot of tension in a person's body. Yeah. A lot of the time that tension is manifested as um, left unchecked as chronic disease. Mm. Uh, you see a lot of issues um, with with function, with mobility, the range of movement, because that 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 mind is it it's ex- if left to its own devices, the way in which it expresses itself is we live in a reality of form. Our body is form. It's something that we can actually measure. Like science nowadays can measure stress and anxiety. Mm. So thought processes give birth to emotion, and it's much like growing plants. Which seeds do you choose to water? And if you're constantly agitated and there's a lot of tension, you're angry, you, you, you feel that everything is unjust, your, your body is going to manifest that. You're going to become sick. You're going to constantly be seeing people like you, Paul. You know, there's going to be a lot of injuries and the like because those injuries are the doorway. It's going. It's by. It's by working with it by hold, holding, holding it hand in hand rather than trying to manufacture it out of your life or have someone else do it for you. It it just doesn't work like that. An injury is actually a godsend. Mm. It's it's a knock on the door to say, hang on a second, you need to slow down. You need to address some fundamental aspects of your being. And I say the injury in the physical form to work then inwards. How are you perceiving your injury? Is it, is it a hindrance? Is it upsetting you? Is it agitating you? Because it, if, if it is, and, and you can't even deal with yourself, how do you then deal with others? Mm. Because... That's really all it comes down to. Like we all chase moments. We all want a little bit of excitement because majority of us, foundationally, we don't like our everyday lives. I know I'm getting pretty deep here. No, but, go for it. Um, I love it. It's, um, so it's it's understanding that it's it's go- by going through these things and embracing these things, surrendering to it because you can't just click your finger and it disappears. It's there. It's there for a reason. You've manifested it. Cause and effect. Mm. It's it, through your decisions and the things that you've done in life. You you have you have brought it into because it's in your body into the physical form. Mm. And others can help to guide you and point you in a direction, much like someone like yourself. But you can't you can't fix it. You know you you're. You're like a signpost on on a freeway pointing in a certain direction. Unfortunately, people take things so literally. But the people on the freeway driving their car still have to drive their car to get get you there. We yeah. take we take the signpost so literally. We you know, like if 
I, I heard once before, and if anyone's read anything by Eckhart Tolle, he talks about the word honey. Now, would the word honey have any significance or meaning to you if you hadn't tasted honey? It's only through tasting and experiencing it and that understanding that you know what the word honey means. If you never had it and you just heard the word honey, you go, oh, yeah, bees, and they and they make it and the like, but that's where it stops. And that's mm. much like what's going on in the mind. We we love to have conversations and speak to the intellect and everyone, ah, we have these moments, comprehension, I get it. But that's where it stops. And we leave all the work and the toil and the action to everybody else. Mm. We all procrastinate and sit around and, oh, I'm injured, I'm this, I'm that. And I, all I want to be doing is this and that. That's projections. That's trying to escape the now because you don't like it. And so what can you do right now? Well, if you're finding it hard to do anything, firstly, you've, you, you've got to create space within your mind. Yeah. And by creating space in your mind, you find over time that you, you start to slow things down. Like do, do some uh, – anyone that's done yin yoga, like yin yoga, you know, they, they, you go and do yin yoga and they put you or you put yourself in into positions or holds or, you know, you can almost call them stretches for a minimum of three minutes. Like that challenges a lot of people. Now, just sit quietly, not even doing yoga with your legs crossed and try and sit upright. Most people can't even sit with their legs crossed because they, they don't even have the function nowadays on the floor and breathe into your, into your belly. Like that just freaks people out. Because they've got to stop. <laughs> got to, they've got to stop. They've got to be with themselves and then they start to feel. But those feelings that they're feeling, they're, they're foreign. So oh, hang on a second. What's all this stuff that's going on? Then the mind starts to ramp up mm. and, of course, start having all these thoughts because the ego is trying to escape. It's all based in fear. Yeah. But you re you recognize the more you practice these things over time that um, – that the fear is but a shadow. It's like when you stand under a tree and a tree casts a shadow. The shadow is much bigger than the tree. Or even if you stand at a certain point in the sun and your shadow, our shadows are much bigger than us. Hmm. And as, when you start to realize that that in itself is an illusion, the fears aren't as big as you first made them out to be, you can take a deep breath and relax and you learn to walk in hand in hand with a little more now back back to the injuries and doing all those small things and you've got to connect you've got to feel it's it's like you do it's with the barefoot stuff you take your shoes off you've got to create space like so many people don't they they wear shoes they wear them too tight they they the, all those nerves start to you know they're affected mm. they can't their job properly and it's like you're walking around on, you know, planks of wood. Yeah. But it's amazing. We create some space in between the toes and release the tension. And people go, oh, wow, I can feel the ball of my big toe. Oh, I can feel out near my, my little toe. Oh, I can feel that I'm shifting the weight to the outside of my, my heel. Oh, I want it to be more in the center in those three points of contact. Oh, that's how you pull the ball of your big toe back to, towards the, the heel and create the arch. But by strangling everything mm. and, and, and creating so much tension, you're not going to be able to feel. Yeah. 
and and you know, then gosh, you know, put some squats in there, some lunges, you know, even just walking patterns, just slowing down. A, a great Zen master, Thich Nhat Hanh, with meditation, he he talks about um, a, a walking meditation because he understands a lot of people have an issue to start with when meditating, sitting still. So breathing, so with each breath, you know, breathing in, you know, like. You, you can count to about three on an in-breath and you can count to about four on an out-breath. So with that count of one, two, three on an in-breath, you could just count. Or you could say, arrived, arrived, arrived on that in-breath. And then as you breathe out, home, home, home. You've arrived home in the here and the now. You're here right now. I'm walking, slowing yourself down. And it's amazing how much the world just opens up to you. Mm. No, I love that, and like I know we've spoken before about creating space in the in the mind, but I've never even thought about how that relates to the foot. Like I know that's what I do, but yeah. I've never thought of it as creating space to allow everything to feel. For um for those of you who may not be maybe spiritually uh, minded at this point in time, another way of looking at the pain patterns too from from the mind. Um, you know, we do manifest, and I, I totally agree with Steve with everything he said just then. But the other way, from a physical point of view of looking at it, is without our mind, we wouldn't feel that pain anyway. So you could break your arm without that mind telling you that there's pain in your arm, you wouldn't feel it. You'd keep using the arm. So it does make total sense that we need to stop, um, check in with the mind, and see. Yeah, like what that pain's doing to us, how we are feeling about it, um, to help us move forward. Um, you know, I see in clinic people come in with a, a pain mm. that there might be nothing. Or, you know, to me, it's like oh, I see this all the time. It might be just a bit of heel pain. You know, we can fix that pretty quick. But to that person, it stopped them from um, training, yeah. or it stopped them from doing the marathon they wanted to do next week. And to them, it's become yeah. this big catastrophe, and and the pain becomes worse because the mind gets so much. Um, or, you know, caught up more in it. So I love that whole that whole little bit there about um, creating space in your mind, especially if you, you have an injury or pain. Um, yeah, because the other thing you just said, it's so true. Like as a practitioner, we, we can't fix you. And to clients now, I'm, I normally say to them, I'm, I'm like here to help you. Like I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to help put you in the right direction, you know, like, but I can't do it for you. Just like you go and train with a personal trainer, yeah. they're going to lift the weight for you, right? No. They're, they're there to help you and encourage you and keep you on track if you need it um, and guide you in, in doing it safely in the right way. But at, at some point in time, you need to stop, <laughs> create space and get on with it and do it yourself and, and create those changes that you really want in your life. That's and that's you, you, you. A lot of um, the the Eastern cultures, you know, or, or maybe we've kind of it become, it's become quite cliche the word um, the word guru. But a lot of us don't even understand what the word guru means. You know, it's someone who can lead us out of the darkness into the light. It's it's and that's it's like turning the light on in a dark room. Then we can see. And that's what you do. That's what I do. As much as we might call ourselves 
a practitioner, a coach, a trainer, a personal trainer, you know, all these things, or we've got these, 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 these names, these labels. But that's our job is to just help guide and lead and sh- turn the light on to certain things. And then once people see that for themselves, then they can go about doing good work. Mm. Um, there was something you were talking just before as well about the pain. Pain's real. Pain, but it's not at the same time. Mm. It's all relative to, to each and every one of us. And a lot of pain that we experience in our lives has, is a cumulative pain. It's built up over years and years, and a lot of it, it all starts for us when we enter this world. It's the journey through life, um, but a lot of us are fearful of our pain, and, and, and we don't know how to heal that pain because we're caught in the narrative of our story. And then when an injury presents itself, the pain is magnified. And and um, and potentially that pain isn't as bad as we're making it out to be, mm. but because we've got all these layers, um, we we can't see it clearly, and um, that pain might not actually be heel pain. Yeah, there might be a certain amount of it, but it's pain of the mind, mm. and um, that's where I've. I've had some huge breakthroughs for myself with with pain and the like and, and, and knee pain. Um, I remember with when I really started getting into my meditation a while ago and sitting and just and just being and, and observing and breathing. And uh, my left knee, oh, it was it was it was almost like torture. And the mind would grasp at the knee and it'd be so drawn to the knee and I'd create such resistance around it. And the conversation that I started to have whilst I was focusing on my breathing was around acceptance of just being there and accepting that pain. Now, I'm not talking about acute pain where there's been an injury and something's torn and like you, you know, you, that's got to be handled different. Yeah, of course. Um, and... Uh, but I realized over time that I had certain attachments to this, to that pain, and, and a lot of it actually was just manifesting itself in my knee. Mm. But it was pain. It was old pain. It was scars, things in my, in my past and things that I probably hadn't been willing to deal with. And the more that I learned to have a relationship with myself, a lot of that tension and that pain just started to fall away. And my mobility, and, you know, I've had bad mobility through my elbows and, and um, through my thoracic, a lot of tension in the thoracic area. I, I'm so much better nowadays. And my, my shoulders, just the mobility and the freedom. Because when I was younger, like you think what happens when there's a lot of fear and you're scared, you become sympathetic. And what, what happens when you're sympathetic? You cross your arms, you roll your shoulders, you try to make yourself smaller and and insignificant to try and escape, you know, the per- the perception of or what you what you're fearful of, and 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 you hold a lot of tension. And the more you release that, the more open you are, the more you can, em- like, embrace things. 
I don't know. I'm pro- sorry. I, 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 I no, feel like I'm going to start to get a bit deep, and I and I hope people are, are going on the journey with us in this because there is so many uh, that for a lot of us and where we are right now in life, we we have a choice. And and I I thought that the way that I was and the way that I was brought up for a long time was just the that was it. But I've I've since realized that I don't need to, as a man, constantly be leaning on anger and getting agitated and getting all pent up and having outbursts and frustrated and the like. I can be calm, kind, and considerate regardless of what the environment presents to me and be more compassionate and empathetic and, 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 and conscious in whether I choose to respond or not. And I, I'm, and you know, just to bring Survivor into the equation here, that's why I did Survivor, is having a profile um, and, and on something like the game of Survivor, which is quite a pressure cooker scenario. You must be pretty pres- uncomfortable going into that. Totally, because I didn't know what to expect. Mm. There was a lot of fear. And I even said it in one of the very first episodes. I said, we can all put on this facade and make out that we're that we're big and we're tough and, you know, throw our egos around to try and, you know, create, create diversions. But really at the heart of it, we're all freaking scared. We're all packing it. And we're all wondering whether we're going to be here tomorrow and what's around the corner. But when you can accept that for yourself, you can put a deep breath and it helps us to relax, create a bit of space and be more observant, be more pragmatic in the way in which we choose to, uh, or the decisions that we we, we um, and choices that we decide to make. Mm. For you to stand there and just own it and just go, you know what? I'm scared, and you now we're all scared. Like this is new. It was huge. I thought that was really. It was cool. <laughs> well, and that's. I, I was just expressing what I was feeling. Mm. And um, and. It was just being honest. I could have, I could have put on a brave face, and but is it really a brave face? Like the brave, the brave thing is to actually be in tune with yourself. Mm. It takes guts yeah. to stand up for what you, what you believe in, and the things that feel right, like and and live your own truth. Mm. Like that's that's that takes courage. Yeah, that takes that bravery, that strength. It, it's taken a lot of people in my life that you wouldn't see them on face value as being strong and, and tough and all of those things, but they've recognized that, that, that they don't need to put that facade on. To, to be courageous and to be brave and, and, and do things that, that aren't, you know, uh, or, or true to yourself, it takes guts. Mm. Yeah, massively. Because first you need to obviously create that space and deal with it. Yeah. Secondly, you need to act on it um, and and be, what's the word? Like you're almost, you're vulnerable. You know, you're yes. putting yourself, you know, your, your feelings out there. And yeah, the, the, the way of acting in fear is to put that face on and just, you know, act tough. Versus just being vulnerable and just, like you said, living your truth and 
and whatever comes of that comes of it. But at least you know you've you know you've owned up to whatever it is, well, whether I, it's the pain, whether it's the fear on the survivor, whatever it may be. Yeah, and you're not doing it for anyone else other than yourself. But but through but through getting to know yourself better, you mm. can have much better relationships with other people. Mm. And you find that your communication skills improve, just how you handle your emotional well-being um, in situations, and you're just a much kinder person. Like, I, I think nowadays about a lot of people that I know, and for example, you know, a lot of people chase a PR and a deadlift, and they want to lift really heavy. Well, a lot of people who can lift heavy. But they're grumpy human beings. And I'd much rather be around someone who is kind and, and gentle and nurturing um, who might only be able to lift half their body weight mm. in a deadlift. Because you, you always remember those people who smile at you, who shake your hand, who give you a, give you a hug, who say, you know, how are you doing today? They put you before themselves. I, isn't isn't that the journey for all of us? Mm. I, I really think that starting to you know go down into those depths and exploring that for ourselves and and using an injury or wanting to to move better or push ourselves harder in training, all that type of stuff is but stress testing. Yeah. So the more pressure you put yourself under, can you still maintain um, that kind heartedness? And, and, and a gentle way of being. And start out simply. Start out with being in an environment that's quite calm and, and helps you to be in those states more. And you find the more you practice that, you can start to handle situations that, that are more, there's more pressure, there's more demand, but you can maintain a state of calm, of well-being. And you find that it then just becomes, um, it, 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 it's, it kind of flows into all every all other areas and aspects of your life. You know, you're, you're, you're more aware and mindful of what it is that you eat, you know, how you interact and, um, and converse with people, um, the way in which you just walk down the street. You know, and and say hello to a complete stranger who who really may not, you know, have anything to offer you in life. It's just that I don't know. You, you you've just chosen that way of being, and through being and and embracing um, those attributes, that um, that people see it. And they pick up on it and they go, wow, I want to be like that. And you make a bigger impact in the world. Huge, rather than demanding. I've had enough anger directed at me in my life for, I reckon, 10 lifetimes. And I think we could all um, say the same thing. Mm. So why perpetuate that? Like, just just even, yeah. Like, it's – and to be (laughs) – and with everything in yeah, like and, and and I think back to health and well being and training and exercise and form and function and mobility 
and um, we're human. We're, the perfect is in the imperfect. We live in a world of polarities, of opposites. We, there's always going to be imbalances and like, and this that requires us to accept certain things uh, and, and even beyond acceptance, surrender to them, mm-hmm. surrendering to what is right now. And the word surrender to me, you know, well, coming from a military background, we never use the word surrender. Surrender was to lay down and and is a, it was a coward, you know, it was all of those things. You're like, you never did that. But, but you can perceive surrender as that or you can cease or perceive surrender as accepting like with every fiber of your being what is right now in this present moment in time and where you are in life and essentially you got yourself here. No one else did. It comes down to the choices you made and how you reacted or responded to situations and it's accumulative. And, and we, you know, I wish I had this clarity on The Biggest Loser and I used to talk about it but in a roundabout way, but the ability to surrender to what is right now and create some space around it enables us to nurture it much like we would a crying baby or a, a child in need. Like nurture yourself. It's all right to get angry, but nurture your angry. Don't get angry with being angry mm. or get upset with yourself for being upset. Like you, you're just creating more tension than upset. And um, when you can nurture those things and go, and then you start to feel things coming on, like you feel your anger coming on, you go, ah, I don't need you right now. Or you've, you, you know, you, you, you've come to see you, Paul, and you've presented some exercises to do and you're uncomfortable and it's like it's all new and it's so foreign and it's like, oh, but I just want to be able to run. I want to – and it's just like that acceptance and surrender. Okay, I am where I am right now. I can get caught up in my story and stuff or I can do the practical things that help me to heal mm. and to move forward. And you find you'll heal a lot quicker. Oh, yeah. And trying to manufacture it out. And sometimes those things heal so quickly that it feels like it's magic. It's like, can that really happen? Like it's it, – it, uh, I've, I've experienced it. Mm. But you're right because it all comes back to the mind. Mm. And it is allowing – because even movement, right? So a lot of the, the issues I see in clinic – um, I see less of the acute stuff and it's definitely more, you know, chronic conditions of the heel yeah. pains, the knee pains, the hip pains, which all stem back to how people are walking and running and lifting. That's all driven by the brain, by the mind. If your mind can't perceive a healthy movement, you're never going to move well. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm loving this chat because it's really just opened my eyes to how I'm going to treat patients now as well. Because a lot of it does come down to the understanding of the mind and, and creating that space and, and being kind to yourself, but also be here in the you know the here and the now, like you just said. Yeah. To know, okay, well, this is where I'm at. This is what I need to do. It's not a life sentence. This isn't my new way of training forever. But mm. by accepting this and, and correcting these, correcting my mind to correct these movement patterns is going to have a much bigger impact on my life. Oh. you know, for the for the duration of my life rather than just yeah. 
trying to get a bit done, then get back into the run and then, and then be back in my clinic, you know, the month after the run because you're in pain again. What One of the, the most beautiful things that I've heard, and I'm not going to do it justice, I, I, I'm going to say it in my words, <laughs> is we, we are all, th- th- there's absolutely nothing wrong with us as, as who we are. We don't need to be better. What, what needs to be better? What needs to be more perfect? We are perfectly perfect who we are. What we need to work on are the things that block our heart. We've got to work on taking off that body armor because we've been hurt so many times in our lives by certain things and the way in which we perceive them that we've, we've put this body armor on to protect ourselves. And then we're running around trying to do things and manufacture things out of our lives and do what the status quo says to do so that we can fit in. But all the time, we're still blocking our heart. And to just slow down a little bit, do the more foundational, simple things and connect with our physical body and our being, the vehicle in which takes us through this life as humans, but also the mind and then how it perceives things will have a profound impact on our physiology. Mm. And we are much more gentle loving, open beings. And then we recognize that we don't need to continue running and chasing and acquiring and accumulating and, and um, this sense of power and, and, and holding people down so we can kind of you know, create this, this illusion that um, we have the upper hand. Well, that's one, another thing about Survivor that I really enjoyed about about it was I was a very competitive youngster in my 20s and in my 30s and doing the CrossFit and the like, and I still love some competition. It, it, but in a, in a way that it's what I learn about myself, it's not about beating others. couldn't care less about beating others nowadays. It's about coming to terms with things for myself. And that, that kind of... Um, enlightenment or, or, or profoundness in that way of thinking has helped me to transcend. And what it helps you to do is let go of stuff. Hmm. And when there's that surrender, that's acceptance and surrender to what is. And, you know, for me, a lot of it was my upbringing and my parents and kind of holding things against them and thinking, oh, but if only they'd done this and if only done that, they'd done that. And forgiving them and thinking they and realizing they were just doing the best that they could. And unfortunately, they were victims to their own suffering and how that impacted myself and my brothers, you know, with our, with our upbringings and recognizing that, that our parents were doing the best that they could relative to the information and the knowledge and, and the education that they had. Mm. Um, and that we don't, we don't need to perpetuate their suffering. We can heal that suffering and, and present a different way of being, choose to, to live life um, without all that turmoil and that upset and that unrest. There's a great book that I read, um, Loving What Is, by mm. Katie Byron. Her whole philosophy is about asking yourself these um, you know, questions. So it's like you do some work on any sort of thought that you may have that is bringing you unrest. 
And the first one is, is it true? You know, and it's just stopping and creating that space. And so I might be like, you know, my parents shouldn't have, you know, bought me up that way. And then you stop and like, (laughs) is it true? Well, maybe it's not true. You know, you can't 100% say that that's true because like you just said, that's what they knew. Then she has these other questions you go through to, and you end up turning it around back yeah. on yourself. And um, it's, it's worth having, I listen to the audio book. It's, it's worth, um, yeah, loving what is. It's, I, I like it. <laughs> but it's, it's that, like what you're saying. It's, it's stopping and really looking at, you know, everything is perfect as it is. And it's, it's accepting that. Mm. Um, and certain things happen that, yeah, are, are wrong and, and horrible, you know, to people. And I'm sure you're the same. We're not here to say that everything's perfect in that, you know, bad things should happen to people. Mm. But at the end of the day, everything that happens has happened and it, and it is coming to terms with that it is perfect and how do you move on to not hold on to that and not yeah. create that turmoil in your own mind that then manifests into, you know, movement dysfunction, pain, disease, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. And uh, yeah, and and I think at the heart of all of that, you know, with those questions, is we we get out of our narrative that story, and much like you and I are doing, yeah, we're we're recording the audio, but we've got the video chat happening. Mm. We're listening, we hear the words, but we're also observing one another. Yeah, and, and you get to observe yourself. You get to play the role of the observer. So you're kind of removed. There's there's an aspect of being one step removed, and that's actually some of the that's that's very much um, at the premise of Eastern philosophy, uh, not even philosophy, but just ways of being, like Buddhism and, and things like that. Is the, is that mindfulness and that the awareness, the ability to play the role of the observer? Eckhart Tolle again talks very much about it, but there's a lot of other you know, great thinkers out there and people who are delving into it in the Western way, in the Western mindset that are recognizing that a lot of the pioneers and the people who are that have just done things that just blow your mind um, have been able to play the role of the observer. Yeah. They're able to get outside of themselves and recognize the situation that they're in right now um, maybe isn't as dire or drastic as they first made it out to be. Like I was actually talking to someone yesterday about motor neuron disease. Yeah. And 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 it's it's a it's a terrible disease. And it is, you know eventually takes people's lives and some people much quicker than others. Um but essentially you end up suffocating. Like your 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 airway is shut down and 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 you just can't you can't function like cuz it mm. just attacks everything. The motor neurons and um a, a friend of mine has a friend who was diagnosed with it a few years ago, and he's gone downhill, you know, rapidly over the past two and a half years. And he said now they're experimenting with opioids to help relax the mind, to allow the physiology and 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 the body to deal with what's going on. So therein lies mm. something in itself, because the mind starts to. Be- a lot of this stuff and I can't breathe how I really breathe. So it starts to freak out, which, set, which sends the system into overload. Yeah, Whereas when you calm the right. mind, 
Yes, where you calm the mind and create that space, and, and they're having to use, obviously, opioids and things to do that. The system can then kind of go into autopilot that back to its parasympathetic state and, and work through the issues at hand for itself. It's the mind that creates the tension and, um, and screws the system up. Yeah. That's and I huge. was like, damn, <laughs> yeah. I, I know. And, and science and the like are recognizing that. That's crazy. That's and it's not to say that it's, it, that it's overly healing, but I think in, from moment to moment, breath by breath for some, it, um, it helps them to be a little more at peace and calm about where, where they are. Because yeah. like, like anyone, put yourself out in the middle of the ocean and tread water. Yeah, because the wind's going to come up, the t- the the the, the swell's going to come up. You're going to start drinking seawater. How long can you tread water? Then the mind, the fear's going to set in. The mind's going to get the better of you. But the more you can stay calm and relaxed, you know, the more, the longer you'll sustain energy, and the more you'll be able to just tread water and be. But um, if if you become overwhelmed rather quickly, well, that that t- you, you're going to be a lead weight. Yeah, really quickly. Really quickly. <laughs> and um, and that's exactly it. Mm. So from a practical point of view, what are some tips that you have for people to just start today to start just creating that space in the mind and, and heal? Uh, yeah. Oh, some things I do with my clients, we warm up. If we're doing a training session, we warm up. We do a general warm-up, so it might be on a stationary bike, the row, might, might be a bit of running, skipping, whatever. Just get the system prepared, and then we go through some, some functionality range of movement. So we'll, I'll use you know, some yoga-type movements. So go down into an so inchworm, into a, into a um, push-up hold, like the top position, ready position. Mm-hmm. Do, a down, do a downward dog. And a lot of people use time as their measure in holding things and doing things. But rather than doing that, what about you go into a position and you hold it for 10 breaths, one breath in, two breaths out, and you go up to 10. Then you come back into the push-up position, another 10-breath hold. So what you're doing by taking yourself in this time under tension in these holds, it's isometric, but you're also under that tension teaching yourself to just be a little more calm and create some space. Then you go back into a downward dog again. You come back and you bring your left foot forward up to your left hand into a lunge position, stretch out through the adductors and into the hips, 10 breath count. You know, and, and you just go through this and you get it, get it. And then from there, get the client to sit down into a squat, like a bottom position squat. It doesn't have to main, it doesn't have to be an active squat as we would if we were going to exercise. Mm. More but resting, just for that function, yeah. they're resting. That's right. I call it the, I call it a passive squat, and then ten breath count. Walk the hands out into a supine bridge, so that you're getting a good stretch through the biceps and the pecs. And but you're also working that posterior chain, hamstrings, glutes. Feel your feet. You might not have shoes on for this. Feel your feet. Feel the balls of your feet. Because so many people get cued heels, heels, heels. But actually, the balance. We should be able to feel, as you can correct me here, is feel our entire foot, but the majority of the weight distribution should be through that midfoot, 
Mm. So we should be able to feel the the plant, that plant through the through the ball of the big toe, because we we so much or so often nowadays laterally load, we forget that medial line and that plant down through the big toe. Learn to feel that. Work that with your breathing. Observe it. Be it. And then, and I do this with clients. And before we've even actually done any other type of training, like a warm up and and we've just done a bit of a warm up and some mobility range of movement, then maybe move into, you got me? Yeah, maybe move into some um, single leg Romanian deadlift type positions, just even with your hands, just working balance and contralateral movement and the like. They're like, well, I feel awesome. I feel connected. I feel more mobile. I feel more open. I don't feel as stressed. And and all you've asked them to do is actually be kind of gentle with themselves mm. and go through some. And then when they've got that space and they can express themselves so much more, like express yourself in a small bedroom. It's pretty difficult, eh? Yeah. Now go into a bigger room and express yourself. You've got greater ability. Then go into a bigger room again. The more space we have, the more room we have to express ourselves. So why not create the space in your body? Mm. And there's practical tips. Yeah. And, and other ones are when you are starting to feel really overwhelmed, go for a slow walk and connect with your breath. Or if you're a corporate um, at lunchtime, they're like, rather than going and flogging yourself to death to come back to your desk after work more pent up than when you went before, you know, or more fatigue, you might feel great from the endorphins, but then you feel really tired because the system's already overloaded. Mm. Go to a park and take your shoes off and connect with the earth and sit under a tree and cross your legs and just breathe for five minutes or 10 minutes. And these are, you do, but these are things that people go, just there's disbelief. Oh, this isn't going to work for me. Oh, I've got to do this. There's the compulsion. And again, something from Survive that I took away. I've lived my life training, exercising, you know, being out there on the edge. And, um, And I've identified with that and I attached to that way of being. You know, putting a barbell in my hands or a kettlebell or a medicine ball almost every day. And then on survival, when the nutrition isn't there, you're barely taking anything in. And you don't, you really want to conserve your energy because you're feeling more like you just don't feel like yourself. And then you're like, there isn't a barbell to be seen. There isn't a gym floor. There isn't any of this. And, um, and they're like, well, who am I? Who am I? Like, you, you know, you, you don't have the energy in to do a Tabata session. Like, you could bash out some Tabata squats and push-ups and burpees and what have you. But there's no way you're going to do that because you want to conserve that energy for the upcoming challenges. Mm. But you also need a certain amount of energy to contribute and be of service to your tribe and and, and maintain a certain um, – level of morale around camp and to, to have morale what did you, what did we need we needed fire to have fire we needed to go and collect firewood we needed water you had to go and collect water we had to forage to find food that all takes energy but if you can't accept those mundane tasks and you're completely spent a you're going to sit on your backside and wish that you weren't there and then what are you going to do 
your mind's going to wander and project into the future. When I'm home, I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat this. Well, guess what? You ain't there. You're here right now on a beach, sleeping on the ground, needing to keep a fire going. And how are you going to do that? And these are all things in everyday life that uh, we don't particularly have to deal with because we as humans, we are quite smart and we've created environments and cities and things that that give us those comforts. And, and I, th- I think we, we sit back enough and, and reflect and show enough gratitude for those things because if we weren't working and toiling hard like we are in our businesses and what we're doing nowadays, we'd be out foraging. We'd be out you know, chipping the ground to pull out the weeds, to grow the food, to be able to eat. Everything would be geared around eating and about surviving. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of us, the breaking out of that, um, that, that, that collective ego, that, that group ego, the things that's better than it is in the cities because it's insulated much like we insulate electricity to, to keep us alive, we've insulated ourselves from nature. We don't need to heed the advice of nature. Well, I guess your perception of survival perception. changes too. That's right. Just- and it all, it all, it all comes back, back to ourselves and um, each and every one of us. And the more of us that are willing to be introspective you know, and observe our little nuances and the silly things that we do that we can actually have a smile at mm. Yeah, and just go, ah, there I go again, you know. Just acting like a five-year-old, like yeah. accept that about ourselves. Yeah. Like be a bit um, self. What what's the word? Um, self-effacing. Like we can we can actually see those things in ourselves rather than denying ourselves those things. We 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 heal ourselves, and we don't just heal ourselves. We heal others because the way in which we we handle situations has a, our energy affects others. Mm. Like you would get clients that come in that are quite agitated and worked up and after a session with them, you're like, oh, man, you feel heavy in your chest. You feel sorry for them mm. that, they're so, that they're so caught up in their stuff that they can't be practical about the solutions you've provided to help them work their way out of it. And, um, and, and it wears, out, wears you down. Like why do so many – now you got me on a roll, mate. Why do so many – Especially the Eastern cultures, again, when they do, when they massage, they don't wear shoes because they earth themselves out. They ground themselves out. So the energy that they're, that's, that they're a conduit, aren't they? Mm. They've got to give energy, but they're also receiving energy. And by, by, by wearing shoes and especially, you know, rubber soled shoes, well, you disconnect yourself from, from, from the earth, essentially. Yeah. But by grounding yourself out, you help you help to balance the energy, and there's science around that too now. Totally, like around there's, lots, there's and, lots of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and we probably that probably goes for all of us, not just massage, right? Like you are connecting with people all the time, but for majority of us, we're getting around in insulated shoes, and we're not discharging that negative energy. So there's another tip. <laughs> yeah, and, and get your and, shoes off. Yeah, and we take so and and even observe how you feel when you're around people who are uplifting, who mm. motivate you, who inspire you, who um, who are are calm and kind, and and you don't feel like your feathers are being ruffled or you're carrying any unnecessary tension. Then be around people who 
who are constantly agitated or a victim to their own suffering, and you're worn out. Mm. You know, we, we make movies about vampires, and we, we make out that vampires suck blood. But what blood like is, is a tangible thing, and so is energy, except we just can't see energy. Yeah. The true... The true meaning of a vampire is someone who constantly saps or sucks out the life and energy of other people. They're needy. They're energy vampires. They constantly need that to to get themselves through. Mm. And it's very draining. It's draining for that person as as much as it is for the people that they – kind of attach themselves to. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if there's any practitioners that are listening to this or, or, you know, anyone in the health and well-being space, it's important to create space for yourself and to have some time out and, and be there for yourself because otherwise you're going to walk the same path. That, that being that little, being that candle or that, 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 that flame in the darkness at some point, if you're not conscious of that, the darkness will snuff your light. Yeah. And I guess yeah. it's probably important to mention, I'm assuming this is the same for kids, right? Like we need to create space for our kids. Express themselves, yeah. Because even at school, there'll be little vampires sucking their energy or, or adults um, doing the same. So I know you've done some work with kids before and we'll, we'll wrap this up soon. I won't keep yeah. much more of your time, but just to finish off, um, would you agree that that kids need, I guess, guidance to create this space in their mind oh, from the get go? Totally. They, because well, it's it's more innate innate in children. Yes. I think when we're born and we come into this world, we're wise. We're we, we're not. We don't see the world as separate. We're separate to the world and to nature. We we train in that as you know that's trained into us mm. and um and it's not until we get a little bit older that we go hey hang on a second and we become a little wiser through our yeah. experiences but um children need to be guided they're blank canvases they need we as adults need to present um particular ways of being and and, and environments that are conducive to I guess to, to to more healthy behaviors and habits and the like, and it's much like growing a garden. Do you want flowers and 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 vegetables that you can eat? Or not flowers you can eat, you know, that are beautiful, or do you want weeds? Yeah. You know, you've got to. The, the environment needs to be conducive. You, you you've got to you've got to cultivate. You've got to nurture. You know, and and those things. Um, require a lot of different, a lot of different things within it. But um, I, I think the more that we can, we can be there for others. We can contribute. We can create that space and that 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 foundation and framework for each and every one of us and our differences um, to express ourselves. The more harmonious things will be. Mm. And I guess. By working on ourselves first, like you said earlier, you know, if you're that angry person and you 
or you hold that tension, um, whatever it may be, how you manifest your you know, dysfunction in your mind, mm. that's just going to be put onto your kids anyway, right? So yep. at some point you need to start with yourself, create space for yourself, create that environment for your family um, instead of the whole garden, <laughs> including yourself yeah. in that garden, can, can you know, manifest great things including uh, you know, good physical movement, uh, good mindset, good nutrition, um, whatever whatever healthy living means to you, it starts in the mind. Like I've really enjoyed this chat, Steve. It's, wow, um, thanks, Paul. I hadn't, I just never thought of the mind as such a powerful tool. I knew it was important and your mindset yeah. was important, which is why I wanted to get you on to talk about mindset. Yeah. But this is clearly much deeper than mindset. Um, and yeah, I really encourage people to, create that space like it's as you can tell from this chat and go back and listen again there's so many just golden nuggets in there um around why we need to create that space um so reach out to to steve or not reach out to him like jump on and follow him online if you're not already um he quite often puts up like fantastic posts as long as, as well as um like workouts and things so that's always helpful but there's always just enlightening things popping up that will just stop and make you think which is um like a really cool thing in this busy world so how can people like connect with you steve and, and work with you and, and what what do you have coming up what can people yeah jump on board with well uh i guess the the easiest way to, to find me online is the commando steve website so commandosteve.com um instagram and facebook is is all the Commando Steve handle or handles as well. Um, check out the Commando Steve website for like events and, and camps page um, for all the events. And well, not I haven't got everything up there at the moment, but um, for a lot of things that are on and the dates and and the like and where I'll be. Uh, yeah, if you want to follow a bit of a workout of the day, you know the Commando Daily Challenges on the Instagram page, or if um, if if you don't want to ask a question in the comments on a post or anything like that, you know, send me a, um, send me a message, you know, any of the messages or any of the, the things that come through email on my website come directly to me. So I'll, um, I'll do my best to get back to anyone as, um, as soon as possible. And if I don't know, I'll point people in the direction that I feel can best help them. I don't think that there's ever a clear cut way around getting things done. Um, I can give my two cents and then it's up to people to really, kind of embrace and walk that path for themselves and see if it works and, you know, kind of massage it and, and, and come up with something that they're comfortable in. Well, thank you again, Stephen. Thank you for your time. You are super generous um, with your time, uh, always at helping people and, and spreading uh, an amazing message. So thank you for guiding us all and, and for spending, yeah. the <laughs> and spending the time here today uh, on, the, on the podcast. Cheers, Paul. Thanks so much, mate. And thank you, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.